I want you to go in your Bible this morning. I can't get away from it. We've got to go back to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. I'm anxious to kind of see how the Lord is going to bring this out because I really don't have a lot of stuff wrote down, just some highlighted stuff. But I want to read. I, I told you I want to go to the first chapter in the first verse, Miss D. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittite and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Father, open our eyes and open our ears and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to speak to you this morning about taking the land. And I really want you to pay close attention to what God, thank you, Ms. Crystal, to what the Lord is speaking through Joshua at this moment. You know, it's so easy for us to get caught up in all of our religiosity and our spiritism, whatever you want to say, and, and really miss possibly what the Lord is saying. So when God made a promise to Israel to give them a land, what was he talking about? Notice he didn't say, I've come to bless you. I've come to give you something I've already promised. It's already been set for you. You just got to take it. It's yours for your taking. He said, I'm going to give you a land. Remember when Israel was in bondage and God speaks to Moses in Exodus chapter 3? And he comes to them and he says something like this. He said, I've heard the cry of my people. And I have seen the pressure that they're under by their taskmasters. And I have come to deliver them. Now Moses, go and stand before them. And tell them that I'm going to bring them out. And I'm going to give them a land that is good. And a land that is large. And a land that is overflowing with milk and honey. Notice in this moment, he never told them at that moment, I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build. I'm going to cause you to drink from cisterns or wells that you didn't dig. I'm going to have you to have vineyards that you didn't plant. All of these wonderful things wasn't mentioned there. They're all a part of the land that came as they begin to focus down the road. So what was the land all about? In the eyes of Israel at that moment, the land was about a life. He was saying to them, remember they've had 430 years of bondage, of hardship, of 
of trouble. But now he's talking to them. And the land that he's going to give them, he's saying this, you will be free from slavery and tyranny. You'll be in a place where you can live in peace. You'll live in joy. And you will be able to prosper. You will be able to raise your families. You will be able to have a home. You will be able to plant a garden. You'll not have to worry about anything in the place that I give you. The land was about a life of freedom and liberty that God has always called us to live in. So God speaks to Israel in this moment. They're in that journey to get to that land. It was Moses that brought them out. And God speaks to him and he says this. He said, Arise, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Now arise and take this people and go get this land. He said, Arise and take this people. That word arise is an interesting word. It kind of struck me as I, just before I came out, I couldn't get away from that one part of the verse where he said arise. Most of you, if I said arise, you would stand to your feet. That's what arise means to most of us. Or he said in one place to Abram, he said arise and walk through the land. In other words, get up and get into some action. The word actually comes to mean this. This is what the word in its root is even more important. It means to choose the opposite of what you're seeing at the moment. I'm not in the place that God wants me to be at. This isn't the land that God promised. He said, choose it. Here's the point being, if we're going to walk in the full things of God, you and I are going to have to make a choice that I want what God said and not what I'm seeing or feeling with my eyes. He said, arise, the land is already in front of you. It's already before you. Arise, you and this people. Here's another point. Everybody in this room has the potential, has the same opportunity to lay hold of the life that God intended for us to live. Not one person is better than the other person. Not one person is more qualified than the other. Not one person is going to do more than somebody else in order to obtain that. It is a promise of life for every person that is in this room. No matter what your color is, no matter what your nationality is no matter what your age is no matter what you no matter what your status is every one of us have been called I believe the land that God is talking about isn't a land that's in the sweet by and by we the church have lived for so long hold the fort for I'm coming and we've stood behind the walls while the enemy came in and took our land and I believe God is saying to his church I want you to arise this isn't what I intended for you to deal with. And I want you to get your land back. I want you to get your land back. Another root word, another root meaning of that word arise means this. It's time to be the battering ram for the breakthrough. To see that the land is now brought back to be what God intended it to be. We're in the most prophetic hour that we've ever been in. And yet we're in the greatest hour. We're in the most troublesome, dark times. As Charlie was talking about his family reunion yesterday, 
His mom will turn 90, I think, at the end of this month. She's the very last of just a few of siblings are close there. But the rest of it is nieces and nephews. They weren't gathering to get them together. She was actually looking into the future. We've got to start thinking. This is not just about us anymore. This is about a generation. This is about our children. This is about our grandchildren. Come on, somebody. This is about our greats. And you and I have have the responsibility even as the word of the Lord said we've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this I can't wait for somebody to come do what I've been ordered to do we've got to take our land look at your neighbor and say we got to take our land I want to I've been in a couple of meetings I've been stirred this week as you probably can tell you get around some of these guys and your eyes start opening up and you start seeing. I've had a lot of car time and I've listened to a lot of stuff. Let me help you understand something. We've been talking about revival, right? We all believe that revival is here. But if you're paying attention to the prophets, they're not talking what you and I are thinking. They're talking about the land. They're talking about our nation. They're talking about us rising up and getting back to who God said we were, what this nation is all about, and getting our land back to be the place that God intended it to be. Come on somebody, please hear me. We're, we're talking revival and God is speaking reformation. There's a difference in the two. I was in a meeting with Lance Walno. This isn't mine, so I'm going to steal it from him. I was in a meeting last week with Lance Walno. I was in East Kentucky with pastors from over there. And they're all gathering just like you and I. They're gathering, believing God for the greatest move of the Lord, the greatest revival the earth has ever seen, to see the greatest harvest we've ever had. And yet every church in America is thinking that way. And yet we hear it, but we really don't see it. And so if we don't see it, we keep praying God do it. Could it be that it's not, it's not that God isn't giving us revival? We just have the wrong focus of what the revival is all about. And Lance said something about the difference between revival and reformation. Revival is easy because revival is a very personal thing. Revival's about God touching your heart. Revival is about you being set free. It's about you dealing with the demons of your life to be set free. And I can have revival in here and never have an impact out there. But reformation is something different. Reformation is dealing with our governments. It's dealing with our nation. It's dealing with our city. It's unseating the principalities and the powers of darkness that are ruling over our cities and over our neighborhoods. See, it's real easy. This is the easy stuff when we do it in here. What is difficult is when we start dealing with those demons out there. But I believe this is the moment that God is saying to the church, get up and get out of the house. Get up and look out of the house and get busy and get your neighborhood back. Get your land back. Get our schools back. Get back the land that God intended for us to be in. Not trying to be political at all. I'm just trying to tell you what God spoke to my heart. 
What God I believe is speaking to me. I want you to pray for me tomorrow evening. I'll be standing before the city council if they give me the liberty to do it. And I'm going to be talking about the the spirit behind the World Economic Forum. I don't know how many places I've been in recently that that has come up. I was in a meeting all day in St. Louis yesterday. And and it was an ordination meeting. And yet it comes up the WEF is coming up and most of us in this room... I don't even have a clue, being very honest, of what it is all about. But we're, we're in the end times and the enemy is pressing in on us, church. And if you and I don't open our eyes to what God is doing, but also what the Spirit is doing, you realize part of this, and I'll just give it as a, to a nutshell, is to take everything that you have. You will own nothing and they will control you by everything that they are wanting to do. They'll control your buying and selling. They'll control where you're going, what you're doing. They'll track you in every measure. See, here's the sad thing. The church just doesn't believe that could happen. Why do you think, I didn't hear this until yesterday, why do you think stimulus checks have been handed out over the last couple years? Because they're getting us accustomed. They were seeing if we would buy into it, if we would lay hold of it and say, government, you take care of us instead of us putting our confidence in our trust in the Lord. Hello? Pastor, you're not bouncing us off the wall. Listen, we got to get beyond the bounce. This stuff is pressing in on us faster than what we can imagine. It is coming quicker. And moms and dads, some of you may not live to see it, but I've got grandchildren. I've got children and grandchildren, and I'll have great-grandchildren that may have to deal with this stuff. But I believe we could turn the tide. I believe we could be the battering ram. I believe we could be the people to say, no, not in our neighborhood, not in our watch. He said, arise. He said to Moses the first thing. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Here's something we the church have to look at. I want to settle something in this place. We are a spirit-led, spirit-filled church. I never will forget when I came here 25 years ago and keys were put in my hand. Last thing, one of the last things Pastor Jack Cathcart told me And literally it was put in my hand. He said, don't you forget, this is a prophetic house. Those were the last words I believe possibly that Pastor Jack ever spoke to me. After handing everything to me and Diane. And through these years we have always been that spirit filled, spirit led church. And we are never, ever going to get away from that. Now, we may do things differently. It may feel different. But we are following the best that we know how to follow the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. He said, now, after the death of Moses, my servant, sometimes some things have to die in order for us to get up and really see what God has for us and to move us on where we want to be. I had a... I was with the pastor recently. Their church went through some transition from senior to younger. Are y'all okay? I don't even, yeah, I've got plenty of time. I got all day. 
we won't, but I got all day. Listen, I was in, no exaggeration, I was in a six-hour service yesterday, and it didn't end. I decided I'm leaving, just being honest, and it wasn't done. But let's go back to this. And I had this pastor. You know, when you go from senior to younger, things can be different or seem different. And so the young man is, over the last couple, he's been really great pastor, doing great things, leading the church. It's just different than his father did it. And his father, his, he, matter of fact, the young man called me and said, hey, there's a couple of people I'm interested in having. You got connections with them. And, and you know, they're, they're guys that move in the spirit and all of these wonderful things. And we made, you know, worked it out. They made the contacts and all that's beginning to happen. And the father said something to me when I was with him that really caught my attention. He said, I believe my son is really trying to follow God. And I thought, what a statement to make. He had been trying to follow God from the moment he was appointed and ordained because I was at his ordination. We were there when they set him in. I believe he'd been trying to father God, but here's the deal. The father had a dis different aspect of how the move ought to look. And because the son didn't see it that way, father didn't really feel completed until that person that would really move in a certain way to meet father's idea would be the spirit of God. And it may be that way from time to time in this place. But let me tell you, we are going to be a spirit-led. We are spirit-filled. We're going to be spirit-directed. And I believe God is moving. I'm not trying to create Him to come. I believe God is here. I believe miracles are in this place. And I believe God is wanting you to step into what He's doing now. Is that okay? I felt like I needed to say that. So I don't want anybody questioning. Pastors, we're not worshiping for an hour. God spoke to me back at the first of the year. He said, less is more. Besides, we've got a harvest together. Come on. We got people to get. I said in a meeting yesterday, it made me think as I was saying, this guy was speaking, great guy, it was a great word. But I'll be honest, I thought, dude, you need to talk or I can understand you. Because sometimes in our way of bringing things, we're speaking so far over people's head that they don't even have a clue of where we are. And then we leave them out and they're looking at us. I don't know what y'all doing. But I believe the love of God and the power of God and the grace of God is here to embrace every person in this room. Are y'all right? Y'all need to smile at me because I feel like you want to hurt me for whatever reason. <laughs> Michael's going to take me to lunch for pastor appreciation. So I know you love me, Michael. He's already called me asking me where I want to go. So we're going to, we're, and Pastor Val, he made sure Pastor Val's going too. I don't know what Miss Diane and Miss Sherry's going to do. I guess it's just, no, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But here's the point. Something has to die. 
a previous move of what God is doing. And God is saying to the church, even through the word this morning, He said the activity is going to be more beyond the walls of the building than what is in the building. I believe God has raised you up and He's empowered you. And He's going to use you in this hour like you have never, ever been used before. It's time for us to arise. We're going to take our land. We're going to get what God intended for us to have. Here's another point that you might not know. Not everybody wants everything that God is doing. Not everybody wants everything that God is doing. Remember, they're not in the promise yet. They're at the brink of it, but they're not there. So in chapter 1, there's a group of people, they're called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And, Moses, and Joshua speaks to them, and he says this to them. He said, you can't settle until you let us get in and get our land. But what is sad about that is this. This was a promise to the whole nation. To the whole nation. To everyone. But they're on this side of Jordan. They're on this side of the promise. And they come to Moses. This book of Numbers 32. We ain't got time to go read all these verses. They come to Moses. And this is what they said. Moses, we are cattle people. And this land is good for what we need and what we want. Would you mind if we camp here? I don't know about you, but that's a sad verse. Especially when you can walk in the greatness and the fullness of God and you choose because, wait a minute, we're cattle people? Pastor, what does that have to do with us? It has to do a lot with us because we're a lot like that. We don't have cattle necessarily, but all of us have things that we like, things that feed us, things that we enjoy. And even sometimes, even in church, this is what I like. So I'm going to camp right here because this is what I like. God is telling me we're going somewhere else. He's going to take me through the, through the Jordan. He's going to take me into the promised land and I'm going to have this wonderful life. But I really kind of enjoy this right here. What's interesting to me is when I looked at their names. Reuben means a son. Gad's name means fortune or a troop. But another definition that really stuck out to me, he was a seer. And Manasseh means to forget. To forget my pain, to forget my trouble. He was the son, I believe, of Joseph. One of Joseph's, is that right? Joseph's son. So he said this, I believe that if I could read it like this. Behold a son who is a seer and has forgot the promise of God. Wow. All the time they heard it, that was the driving force to move them. But a son that could see has now forgotten what God has promised and what God has brought us to. So he said, yeah, you can have it. Brothers and sisters, let me share with you. God will let you stay. He will let you stay right in the very thing that you enjoy and the thing you like. But I promise you, it will not be the best that God has intended for you. It'll not be the full will of where God wanted you to go. But he says to them, I'll let you stay. 
But if you stay, you fight for us. Let me help you with something here. Every church in this city and community and around the nation is going to function different. Every move of God is different. God's too creative. Everybody in this room is different. Everyone. We're dressed different. I've had more compliments today over wearing a vest than anything I've worn in a long time. But I don't know if anybody else got a vest on. Some of you got t-shirts. You got, she's got a dress on. She's got slacks. He's got long sleeves on. He's got this and that. We're all different. We're all different. It's okay. It's our expression. We're different colors. We talk different. We think different. It's okay to some great degree. What are you saying, Pastor? Here's my point. Church, just do what God has told you to do and leave everybody else alone and let God work these things out. We're so busy telling who's in revival and not in revival. I wish everybody would go off Facebook forever. I'm talking to me. What do you mean? Because I see pastors all the time. I see, oh man, God rocked our face off over here. So you go to the church, you got people with no eyes and face on. And then you got some guy, you got some guy that's saying, I believe this is what the Lord is saying. And, and, and if we're not careful, we've got so many mixed signals coming at us that we can't discern what the Spirit of the Lord is really saying. So somewhere i got to come to the point to say, God, this is where you have told me to be. This is what you've told us to do, and this is what we're going to do. And it may look better over there, but I don't have to answer for them. I have to answer for here. If you weren't here on Tuesday night, and by the way, we had a powerful gathering of leaders Tuesday night. Prophet Aguilar was back in the place. God gave me a vision. God gave me a vision on... Tuesday morning. And in that dream, or really a dream, it was about another church, and I did share it with them, and I saw in this church, I saw in this church, I saw a whole group of young people, young adults coming in. I believe it spoke about a generation. They're coming. They were excited. They were looking forward to it. And then I saw the pastor and his worship leader they were in step together, but it was like they're going somewhere but exiting the building. And evidently, I was there. They left me in charge to lead the service. So as I get ready to do what I was supposed to do, there evidently was a man in the church. I don't know who he was, but I saw a man in a black suit and a white shirt. To me, he represented something of yesterday there. And he spoke to me and he said, this is how I think we ought to minister to the people today. And I thought, well, it's your place. And the next thing I know that the church house turned into what I want to call a barnyard. It was like a pig pen. It had been raining. And it was as muddy as it could be. And I remember trying to get around up to where the podium was, but it's a pig pen. And Man, I'm sliding and I see these little creatures. I thought they were pigs. Who knows what they were? No doubt could have been spirits. But then as I got to the podium right in front of me, like right there, I could tell was I thought was a dead cow. 
and it's covered up. And flies are coming from it. Oh, and before I got there, I, I don't normally write out. I just get notes. I just scribble stuff down. I have no order. As it comes to me, that's usually what happens. But it was like this day, I couldn't find my message. When I'm trying to, I couldn't find, I'm thinking, what am I going to do, God? What am I going to say? And when I got there, when I got there to the podium, I couldn't put words together. I mean, it was like my thoughts wouldn't fall in line. I'm thinking, God, what is going on? What is happening? I believe because the field was wet, was the rain of God was falling upon the earth. But there's a lot of dirt. There's a lot of mud in the church. There's a lot of uncleanness in the church. And, and the Spirit of the Lord is being poured out. And what is happening, it's washing the mud and things are getting slippery and we're, we're sliding around and it's causing things to move. But I believe that cow represented something. I believe it represented sacred cows that we have held onto that we had thought we had buried in our life and we had done nothing but covered them over. And because he's there, he's all bloated and he's swelled up, he's dead. And the flies are beginning to come from him, are beginning to blow. And the first thing that came to my mind when I saw, when I saw that the flies was Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. And little did I know the message that prophet was going to bring that night. He said the Lord spoke to him. That he spoke to him about the spirit of Baal that was in the earth and that was in the church. And little did I know yesterday as I'm going down the road listening to Kent Christmas from a Friday night message down in Warrior, Alabama. He's talking about the spirit of Baal. It may be something we ought to pay attention to. That these things are working and we don't even realize it. My, we got a message. I don't know if it was Diane showed me. I think you showed me. I think Pastor did too. In England, in the UK, they set up an idol, a giant calf, a giant bull. And people were worshiping this bull in the street. In New York City, it has been slipped in. It's been made. There was a moment they said, no, it's not coming. But they slipped it in. And they set up an idol in New York City. And one of the greatest cities of our nation we never dream I don't worship Baal I don't worship Baal but Baal's brought a lot of unbelief a lot of doubt that God will do what God said he would do in this present hour and brothers and sisters it's time that you and I shake ourselves from the stuff that is in the land that we rise up and realize who we really are and move forward and get our land back for God But not everybody wants it because we're too busy back here. We're too busy back here. Christians are sitting on their duff. We are just a month away from our next election. Midterms. I don't know why I didn't plan any of this. But we're a month away. The sad note is about the church. Only 50% of the church or less have registered to vote. And what is even sadder than that, that only a quarter of the church goes and votes. And what's even sadder than that, that we sit and we don't get involved while our school systems and everything around us is being overtaken. And moms and dads, we're sending our children to schools without going and checking out even what is being taught. 
Our children, talk to Miss Noel. It's not like it was in your day and my day. I ran across a school teacher the other day. She's got now two weeks off because her four-year-old head-butted her in her ribs and broke her ribs. I'm hearing this from teachers. The, the ability to control the classrooms and everything is not like it used to be. It's totally different. What do you say? I'm saying we've got to rise up. We've got to wake up and get our land back. Am I okay? Here's, a, here's another point. He says to Moses, or he says to Joshua, let, let me, I want to read something. It's not scripture. It's the heading of my, of the chapter. I don't know if your Bible does this. It gives an overview of the Bible. You ought to read it sometime. It's really interesting. Let me read just a portion. Joshua, the first of the 12 historical books, Joshua through Esther, forges a link between the Pentateuch and the remainder of Israel's history. Through three major military campaigns involving more than 30 enemy armies, the people of Israel learned a crucial lesson under Joshua's capable leadership. Victory comes through faith in God and obedience to His Word rather than through military might or numerical superiority. And I thought, God, how we need to pay attention. It's a great story, but what are you trying to tell me through that story? What were you telling Charlie God when you said he's the heartbeat of this church? I thought I was. Think about that for a moment. He had to weaken him to weaken our hearts to bring us together. And I'll never forget that Sunday afternoon when we prayed, when we cried out together. And while we're here, there's people on the parking lot of, of the hospital that was praying it well. It was that moment we came together and decided we're not going to let him die. We're not going to let Jerry die. You know what God did when we came together? And began to move. God moved in St. Louis because Miss Judy had just let me know the day before. Jerry's going to be in, in, I think, ICU for at least a week or two. And it'll be at least a month before they think about getting him out of there. She lets me know on Sunday afternoon or the next day, Hey, they're moving Jerry out of a regular room. And they're, they're moving him out of ICU and they're moving him to a regular room. And they're going to let him go home on Tuesday. And she messages me, we're home. And we stopped at Waffle House and had breakfast. Wait a minute. That was a miracle. How could that happen? Had not the people of God come and said, God, you're a healer. God, you're the way maker. God, you're the restorer. Wouldn't it say the same thing what happened in our land if the people of God came and quit our fighting and said, God, we want our land back. I got to land the jet. Come on back, Miss Crystal. He tells him. Now think about this. Going back to Moses again. 
He says to Joshua, as I was with Joshua, so will I be with you. I told this worship team this morning. I came in, they were practicing. I said, do y'all believe what you're singing? I said, if you guys worship, they will. Because if they don't believe it, you won't believe it. And we've been so accustomed to coming in and pressing and pushing and trying to create something. Instead of hearing what God said. God said, I'm here. I left, to, I left to go back to the office and got convicted in my heart and I had to come back. And I said, hey guys, I'm not putting pressure on you. I want you to enjoy worshiping God. Because God said, I'm here. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Man, I want the days. April, is that you? That is you. She's a grandma of this little bitty ace guy that was born a few weeks ago. How's he doing? He's doing okay, going to be going home soon, right? When? Three weeks, how much does he weigh? From a little over a pound, is that right? How much? Two pounds. And the doctors told him he would have all kinds of issues, but they lied. God gave the victory. Sorry, I just saw her. Now, it's hard for me to imagine this, but think about this. Nobody loves talking about revival and the moves of past than I do. I love reading those stories. You gave me a book. It's in my office about, you, you know, the Azusa Street Revival. I love hearing those things. I love hearing about those arms growing out. I love hearing about those miraculous things that happen. May I tell you that's a hundred years ago. See, this is going to be hard for you to comprehend. But God is just as real today. He said, I'm just as much here now as I was back there. You know what the difference is? We don't believe it. And the difference is we're still waiting for a William Seymour or we're waiting for a revivalist to come in and get on the platform and do all of these miracles and that's not what God is saying. But God is saying, I've ordained you and I've appointed you and I've anointed you just like I did Wigglesworth. I just got to be attentive. What did God say a while ago? I'm going to stir you in the night. I'm going to stir you. I'm going to send you somewhere. I don't know why I'm going there, but God, I'm going to pray. Just like the little lady, I think I told you at Huddle House a few weeks ago, I think me and you were there. She come in, the young lady was just messed up because something happened to her car. They couldn't find it. She said, I, it happened two weeks before that. She said, I don't know where my car is. She's a military person. She's getting ready to quit. She's, she's needing her car fixed. I could tell she's stressed. So me and pastor sitting there doing our thing. She's got a coffee pot, picked up the plate off of our table. I just laid my hand up on her, on her arm. I said, God, help her to know where this car is. Something, just a simple prayer like that. She comes back about 10 minutes later. She said, hey, I just got a call. They know where my car is. <laughs> we didn't get up and say, hey, everybody, shut up. Honor God and bow your head. Didn't do any of that. 
We didn't pull any attention to anywhere, but at that moment, just say, God, do it. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. He said, be strong. I'll close right here because I, I could just keep pulling things out of this. Three times he said, be strong and of good courage. Be strong. For to you and this people, I'll divide the land as inheritance. Only be strong that you may observe to do according to all that is written in my word. Don't turn from it to the left, to the right. But keep this book of the law in your mouth. You'll meditate on it day and, day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written. Here's another principle, guys. We are kingdom principles that live by the word and live by the laws that God has established for us to live by. Kingdom people don't live like the world. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed, not weird, different. Different, everybody say different. Most of us get weird. We're not supposed to be weird. But we're different. We live. We're kingdom people. There's a much a difference between us as there is light and dark. Salt and pepper. Black and white. We're supposed to be different. Look different. Talk different. Expect different. It's a life. It's a life, church. Think about this for a moment. Our churches are bigger and grander than ever. Could you imagine today? I would have never thought it. That there's today, there are churches with in excess of 40,000 people meeting in one building, worshiping the Lord today. And city after city after city after city after city in America. If that is the case, then why is there still so much hell around us? That maybe we've gone to the church instead of becoming the people of God. And we've not brought that, that changes, that shows a difference. You know why it's hard for, I'm going to get in trouble, but I'll say it, for some of our friends to follow us to worship God? Because they see you in here, but you act different out there. You're more with them than you are with Him. And they're confused. Why should I when you're acting just like me? I better get off of that and stop here. He said, be strong and very courageous. Three times, Miss Adrian. I want to say to you, Miss Adrian, I know you've been in a battle. And I know you're still battling. You're one of the most courageous people, a person of faith. You hear what I said? You are a person of faith. You haven't wavered. You haven't quit. You haven't bent. You may felt like you were. You may felt like you were going to quit and wanted to. But I want to tell you something. Just keep being strong. Be very courageous. You're coming through this. You're going to get through this. And when he said, be strong. When he said, be strong. 
Let me find out. I had to write that down, what it meant. This is what he was saying. Here it is. When he's saying be strong, he said, you got to bind yourself to something. Bind yourself to God. That's basically what he's talking because you can't do it in yourself. Come here, Larry, real quickly. You're going to be God. The one time you get to be, she can call you Lord later. But this is the one time, this is what God's saying. I want you to bind yourself. I want two are better than one. I want you to bind yourself. Bind yourself to something. This is what he's talking about. You get yourself bound to God and don't let go. Bind yourself. Listen, either I am or I'm not. There's no middle ground. Bind yourself to God. Thank you. You can go sit by your lady and she'll talk to you, Lord, okay? He said, bind yourself to God. There it is. Here's the second part. Be strong and courageous. Be bound to God. And here's what the word courage means in this passage. It means to be resolute by what he said. Israel is facing the greatest challenge. They're at the Jordan when it's overflowing its banks. It now is as wide, wider than some places I've read. It was basically wasn't that wide. But at this time, it was probably wider than this whole church facility. And they've got to cross it. And it's where it would run maybe a few feet deep. Now it's running well over their head. And it's flowing like the Mississippi. And it's flowing possibly 40, 50 mile an hour down the river. It's flowing. And beyond that, it's a jungle around it. And God brings them to the widest point. He brings them to the most difficult point. And He said, this is where I'm going to take you across. It may look impossible for us, church, that anything can turn in our land. That anything can turn in our life. But I'm telling you, this is where God said, I want you to be strong and very courageous. I want you to keep your eye upon me. Because he said to Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to elevate. I'm going to exalt you. Church, I prophesied to you. This is the hour that God is going to elevate his church in this hour. He's going to show the world who he really is through his church. Another thing that the Lord spoke to me this week. He said, tell the people, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to see that you're taken care of. I got a call. I think I can say this real quickly. I think I'd say it freely. I got a call the other day from a minister that has a Joseph anointing on him. He said, Pastor, I want to fill the churches and their people, freezers with chicken." He said, I believe some difficult times are coming upon the land. And he's fed hundreds if not thousands of people in need. He said, the Lord said, quit. Don't do it that way. He said, go fill the freezers of the church. Go fill the freezers of their people. And he said, tell them, I'll, I'll work with you, but this is the way you're going to handle it. If people want food, they got to come to the house of God or they got to come to your table and you've got to tell them the gospel and then they can have the resource. And he's got truckloads and truckloads, so get your freezers ready. If it all happens, and it may happen this week, I'm going to have to call you. We'll fill your deep freezes up with chicken. 
God's going to take care of his people. Arise and go over this Jordan. I got to stop. There's just too much, too much in those passages. But God's saying it's time to arise. It's time to arise. It's time to get up. It's time to say, I'm not going to live like this no more. This might deal with our land. It might be dealing with where you are spiritually, where you are physically, wherever you are financially in this thing in your life. I'm not going to live this way anymore because God has made too big a promise for me.